motherhood. It doesn't look the same for any of us. But you know what? All of us are carrying around our own baggage. Whether it's helping your children with autism or anxiety, living with chronic illness, surviving from abuse in all of its forms, or feeling depressed and stuck in our lives, girl, I've got you. Mamas need love too. And this is the place where I want you to know you can let your hair down, take a breath, and just relax in the fact that you are not alone on this journey we call motherhood. We all have our mistakes, our victories, our stories, and ladies, I want to share those with you. So pour a coffee or a cup of tea and know that God totally loves you all the time. So let's get to it. Hello, ladies. Welcome back. I'm your hostess, Shannon Early. And today I have a super beautiful and special treat for you because I have a super beautiful and special friend of mine sitting on my bed right next to me. This friend of mine has a story to share, a story that might be triggering to some of you. So for those of you that need to know that in advance, just know that there may be some stories here regarding fertility that could be triggering for you. But my beautiful friend is going to share a story with us today that is very personal, and it's the first time that she shared this story. And I would like to welcome to the microphone one of my very truest and best friends in the world, Miss Lisa Bennett. You're too I'm so excited you're here. (laughs) I'm happy to be here. Good. Which is literally on my bed right now. I love your podcast. I love listening to it. I feel like I get to hang out with you even when I can't hang out with you. Yes, right. So it's so fun. Lisa is one of my only friends that does listen to my podcast too. And so that's great. (laughs) That can't be true. Lisa had been telling me for a while. Like, Shannon, you could always interview me. You could interview yeah, me. Yeah, I'll and I talk thought, about anything. Yeah, and I thought, but, like, I know you so well. <laughs> but, you know, and we're also new-ish friends, I'd say. Like, we're, we haven't been lifelong friends yet. Yeah. Not yet. We're starting yeah. there. And so yeah. I don't know all of the backstory. I've only known Lisa for the past couple of years, and I really like her. She's one of the – she's, like, the person that – okay, there's a couple episodes back where I talked about how there's a girl that is my friend – who is a lot like me, but she's like extra emotional. And it's really funny because I was talking about Lisa and Lisa heard the episode and she thought, wait a minute. I thought Shannon was like me, but extra emotional. So <laughs> It's funny how you perceive yourself versus how you perceive others. I know. Like, like I feel like you're way more, you know, out there like personality wise than I am, but I probably am way more like out there with my emotions because I have, like, no secrets. Right. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. This is how I felt two years ago when I was, I don't even know. Well, that's why I think we became example. such fast friends. Because I hate that I'm always the guy that's, like, people are like, I'm so glad you're so open and honest. And I'm like, I don't know. What did I just say? Like, <laughs> <laughs> My mom and I were actually talking about how wonderful you were the other day. And I was, like, sobbing. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. I love you so much. Oh, Lisa. See, that's why I told you guys. That's why. <laughs> I like her. One of the first times I remember really like seeing your face is when we had already met at Mops, but I was sharing how I wasn't able to be a missionary and you were one of the people, I just remember you out of the crowd because a bunch of girls came over, but I remember your face out of the crowd and you were pregnant still and you just grabbed my arms and I remember your big eyes were just filled with tears and I thought she gets it. Like I could tell like you really we're feeling the way I felt. Yeah. So thank you for that. Sure. So speaking about big things, 
Um, we have a really big story today, guys. So I've hit on a lot of different topics that are important to women from depression to abuse to postpartum depression. And today, Lisa has a story that I actually, I can't share with you. I have, I don't have anything to do with this story. Lisa, I wanted you to maybe share with the audience, first of all, are you a mom? I am. I have three kids. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. see what you're saying. It's Yeah, I have. I uh, Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to know how to categorize children that you were pregnant with, but then no longer have. I think it counts. So, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, you don't want to yeah. say. It's almost like you don't want the other person to feel uncomfortable. Right. But really, you do yeah. feel like so you're normally in a regular context, if you ask me, you know, I would say like, oh, yeah, I have three kids. I have a. Uh, <laughs> how old are my children? Yeah. I have a nine year old son who's in fourth grade. I have a six year old daughter who's in first grade. And then I have a one and a half year old who's actually like a COVID baby. I got pregnant pre COVID, but then I gave birth to him right as COVID was hitting in March. So. I always keep track of how long have we been doing this COVID thing <laughs> based on how old is my son? <laughs> so uh, anyway, but way before I, well, anyway, before I got pregnant with my oldest son, my husband and I, I was a teacher and we decided it's like, we're ready to have a baby. And I was at the point where it was like, if you're a teacher, you'll probably commiserate. And if you're not a teacher, please don't be horrified. But I had gotten to the (laughs) point in my career where I was like, this is making me physically nauseous to like, think about continuing to do this. It's like so much stress. It's killing me. Mm. I'm like developing, you know, IBS because I'm so stressed by this job. Um, Because I'm very conscientious and I like to do the best that I possibly can. But Mm. the expectations of teachers are just unrealistic. And it's impossible to do everything that you're supposed to. But anyway, all your children's teachers are fantastic and they're doing everything that your child needs, I'm sure. But it was very, you know, it was like just it was getting to be mentally a lot. And I was like, I really want to have a baby. And so um, I think we started trying. We were like very, you know, young and naive. I don't know how long we had been pregnant, but. We had not, we didn't have like a big group of friends where like, um, I didn't know a lot of people that had struggled with infertility or had had miscarriages or like, I, I knew that my mom had had miscarriages at, you know, in her life, but it was just kind of like something that I, you know, kind of casually knew. And I didn't really, it's like a fact that I knew. Uh, but so we decided like we were going to. I guess we decided we were going to start trying. And I think we got, if I remember correctly, something was blocked from my brain. But mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, we got pregnant pretty quickly. But we didn't tell people because we had in our mind that, like, you wait until for a while to tell people, you know, until right. you know, like, things are more settled or like I don't know it was Mm -hmm. just like the conventional wisdom I guess Mm -hmm. like you wait a little while so I remember being pregnant but like not telling anyone and not wanting people to even guess that I was pregnant but I wasn't super discreet so like one day I remember asking my coworker, 
I don't know how many details you want about my life. <laughs> I You can ask me a simple question and I will talk for like hours. But I remember my coworker, she was older, but she didn't have any children or anything. And I was just asking her like her opinion on prunes. And she was like, <laughs> she was like, are you pregnant? And I was like horrified because I was like, well, I am pregnant and I don't want to lie to you, but I don't want you to know that I'm pregnant. Right. Like, I don't even remember what I said, but <laughs> it was like, I was like so upset. Like, I cannot even believe I'm having this conversation. Um. So anyway, the same thing happened to me, but I was wearing maternity jeans, like yes. the kind with like the stupid band. Yeah. And I was bent over and yeah. somebody at work goes, are you pregnant? Yeah. And I remember thinking, if I say no, like... Right. I can't disown my baby. Right. You know what? But I was like so upset. I was it's like, like, I don't so want to lie, upset. but I'm not ready to tell you. Yeah, exactly. Ask me this question. <laughs> so what I learned from that is you never ask someone if they're pregnant ever, no matter what, for any reason, oh, under any it. circumstances, oh. do not ask them. Mm-hmm. Like you can ask someone who knows them, like, is Shannon pregnant? Mm-hmm. But you do not ask the person ever. If they want you to know, they will tell you. And if they're, like, eight months pregnant and they're, like, rubbing their big belly, you can, like, <laughs> maybe then be, like, oh, like, <laughs> are you? Is your stomach itchy? Yeah, are, are you? <laughs> you know, if you're at their baby shower, that's a safe time to yeah. talk about them being pregnant. But yeah. I can't tell you. Anyway, side tangent. I can't tell you how many, obviously, we pretty much everybody who's ever been pregnant has experienced. Like, I've never learned it. Strangers say the most ridiculous and offensive things to you. Like, oh, are you carrying twins? Oh, are you due any day now? Yeah. Like, yep. just stop. Yeah. Like, just don't. I started lying. If, if I became. People would say, are you going to do any day? I'd be right. like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I started being like, well, actually, this is not my first. I just have leftover baby fat from the other baby. So I look bigger. Did you say like, that? Like, Yes. Like, if you know me, you know that I'm not, like, a confrontational person. No, you're not. And I don't like to offend people. But this is one thing where I'm like, if you're going to ask me about my baby, I am going to tell you flat No, you're like, not. I can't, yes, yeah. I am. I will make you feel bad. Oh, like, if yeah. you're a stranger, stranger Fair at enough. the grocery store Fair and enough. you want to ask me that, I will go ahead and tell you that I'm fat from having babies. Fair enough. <laughs> and maybe you'll learn and maybe you won't traumatize some sweet little, like, 20 year old with their who's right. pregnant with their first who's gonna go home and cry for three hours because you insinuated that she's fat. Oh. Like just stop, yeah. world. Just stop. Anyway, so before it's I became advice, old actually. and cynical yeah. in my old age, uh, I was young and nice. So anyway, whatever. All that to say, we made it to the time, whatever that time was, that we felt like we could tell people. We told everybody, everybody was super excited. Um, you know, I had told all my students, I was teaching kindergarten at the time. I had told all my students, everybody was super excited. And, uh, we went, you know, we went for all of our checks and everything was great. Everything was fine. Everything was looking good. We went for our 20 week appointment and the nurse went to do the ultrasound and she was like, Oh, She's like moving the wand around and she's like not really saying anything. And she like keeps trying from all these different angles. And I'm thinking mm. like, what's happening? Like, like, why are we not fine? You know, why are mm-hmm. we not hearing the heartbeat? Like, this is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And I can tell that something is not right based on how she's acting, but she's not saying anything. Mm-hmm. And then I think the doctor comes in. Like I said, some things I just mm-hmm. blocked from my mind, but mm-hmm. I think the doctor came in. 
and then also tried with the ultrasound. And then they were like, we're going to send you upstairs. Like we, I can't remember. David, my husband remembers everything. So Mm -hmm. he would be able to tell you like probably verbatim what they said, but Mm -hmm. I can't remember if they said like, this is not good. We can't find the heartbeat. Or if they were just like, we're going to send you up to the perinatal floor and let you get a more detailed ultrasound. So we knew something was not right at this point. So we go upstairs and I'm like waiting, feeling awful. And like, oh, no, no, no. So we were, we were supposed to find, this was the appointment. We were supposed to find out the gender. Oh, man. And so, I mean, we must, if things were normal, we must have had our appointment with like for the big ultrasound with all the pictures and everything. Mm-hmm. But those ultrasound people, they never tell you anything anyway. Mm-hmm. They won't tell you if it looks, if anything looks good, doesn't look good. They won't tell you what the gender is. Like they won't tell you. No, it's true. Your doctor is the one that tells you everything. So I think we had already had the appointment with that person and they didn't really say anything. And then we were in the office with the, my OBGYN's nurse and she was doing like, the less detailed with the little rolly machine ultrasound Mm -hmm. and they couldn't find a heartbeat. And so they sent us to the perinatal center and they did like the super, super detailed. And they were like, I'm sorry. Like there's no heartbeat. Like your baby is not alive anymore. And they, it was, I mean, I was like devastated and numb simultaneously did it feel like it was like, fake? It, it, yeah. Like, I mean, I knew it was happening, but it was just like, this is not at all what we expected. What, you know, like, what is even happening? What did David And do? you're just like, he was um, comforting, you know, but I yeah. wasn't like falling apart. It's just kind of like anytime something super traumatic happens That's and you true. just like go into survival That's mode. That's true. That's true. It's just like. You're on autopilot of like, Mm -hmm. I'm just doing what they tell me. I'm just, so they confirmed that it looked like the baby had grown to about 16 weeks Mm -hmm. and we had had an appointment at 16 weeks and the baby looked fine. So it must've been right after that, that the baby passed away. And they asked us at the time, do you want to know if it's a boy or a girl? And, you know, we hadn't pre thought through any of this. So Mm -hmm. in the moment we were just like, Maybe it's better to not know. I don't know. Let's just, let's not know. So we didn't know. We don't know whether it was a boy or a girl, but we, um, backing up a little bit, we nicknamed, I want to say all of our babies, but this was our first. We, so before we knew whether it was a boy or a girl, we had nicknamed it baby Tebow. (laughs) And because we were really obsessed with Tim Tebow. And so we were like, we're going to just name this baby, baby Tebow. So that's what we called the baby, and we never found out if it was a boy or a girl. And they were like, okay, so we can't, like, basically what we need to do now is do a DNC, um, and then after we do that, then we'll do, like, a lab workup and everything to find out what happened. So I think we went home, and then they scheduled a DNC, and I think it was... I'm sure the next day. Um, so we went, we met this person at the hospital, this 
Um, he was actually a gynecologic oncologist. And at the time, I had no idea what an oncologist was because... Why would you need you know? to know? Yeah. Right. I had no idea. Um, so he did the DNC. And I remember... I don't really remember much. I remember, like, coming out of it. And I wanted my mom there and David there, obviously. And I remember, like, coming out of it and being, like, on this bed and, like, wanting... They were giving me... Um, graham crackers and peanut butter mm-hmm. and i kept asking for more graham crackers and peanut butter that's like one of the only details i remember um oh and i remember before we went in to do it one of the pastors from my church met us in the parking lot and actually prayed with us Ooh. which was really comforting um but it was like shocking and devastating mm-hmm. obviously um and i remember like i did fine and then uh, I think the surgeon, this gynecologic oncologist um, who had done the procedure, came and told us that it was a partial molar. Well, I think. Okay. I sorry, this is not something that I spend a lot of time thinking about anymore. Sorry. I think that it's okay. It's something that I'm very comfortable sharing. It's just, if I'm going to share, I would like to share all the actual details <laughs> and not just be like, one time I had a miscarriage. <laughs> Shut up. Um, You're doing great. So I think when they initially, at the perinatal center, I think they said it was a partial molar pregnancy. So that I don't know what that, that okay. Yeah, that means that my understanding, if you're super curious, you can look it up on the internet, I'm sure, but... My understanding was like a partial molar pregnancy is where um, a molar pregnancy is where there's something genetically wrong with the placenta Mm -hmm. to, I think to the point where the baby doesn't even develop. Mm -hmm. Like you don't even have a fetus. It's just Mm -hmm. placenta. Mm -hmm. Um, I think with mine, it was a partial molar pregnancy, is what they said at the time. And that means that there's something genetically messed up with the placenta that ends up being bad for the baby, I think, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. I should have done some research before coming over to remind myself. Um, so basically, there was a reason And that was helpful to me. So, like, okay, this is what went wrong. This is why we had a miscarriage. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it was still really sad and upsetting. Um, And I can talk about it now without sounding sad. But obviously it was super sad. Mm It was your first baby, too. Yeah. And we weren't expecting it at all. Mm. So, because you don't expect it. Well, sure. I know what you mean. But also, just like how long you were pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So. And actually, uh, side note, like Michelle Duggar, when she had her like notable miscarriage later on in her child mm-hmm, having mm-hmm. years, it was at 20 weeks. It was at the gender reveal appointment that she found out she had lost the baby. As I well. remember that episode. I actually so, really liked that family. Yeah. Just so you know, but. Yeah. Um, so that's what they said it was. And so I was like, okay. But then after they did the DNC and did all the blood work, all the lab work and everything, they said it actually wasn't. So we actually have no idea why you what? lost this baby, which made it like a hundred times harder. Why the heck would they say that? It, well, just to be factual, like, because if you've had one partial molar pregnancy, 
then that is like a like a genetic marker for like, like going forward. Yeah, like you would want to like double check that that's not happening. You'd want to like do all this extra stuff. So they were, I think they were probably just letting me know you don't need to worry about that because that's not what happened. But it just made it harder because it was like, well, then why? Like, why would my baby just die at 16 weeks? That's awful. So it was pretty awful. And it actually led to. Well, I don't want to tell my husband's story because it's his story. But like, I think it really I mean, I could notice a difference in him. It really negatively affected him. Just. um, How would I describe it? Like. It affects your mental health. Like, it just oh, negatively affected him in ways that he didn't really appreciate at the time and he didn't fully, like, notice until later. Um, but it was, it was just really hard. Um, yeah, so I, I took a week or two off, I think, from school. And then I went back and, like, I had to tell my students that I wasn't pregnant anymore. But that's all I told them because um, they were just, I was teaching kindergarten and I wasn't going to tell them all about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, probably the, so it's super hard to lose our first baby, especially that far along when you already have all these dreams for your child and you like, you're already past that like danger zone. I'm doing air quotes, that danger zone of like the first trimester you're in like the safer second trimester. So, but so that was super hard. But then because of all this, I had to actually go to the gynecological oncologist office. And I learned what an oncologist was. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to go to his office once a week to get my blood taken because my, I think it was HG. Yeah. Whatever HGC that is. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Levels were like off the charts and they were like, so they need to be coming back down. They were like, so your body still thought you way were wild. Kind of yeah. So they needed to come. So he just, had, I remember him keep saying like, you have to keep coming until they go down to zero. So I wasn't allowed to get pregnant again. I wasn't allowed to do anything until my levels got down to zero. So I had to go and get my blood taken every week for six months. No. And it, I had to leave school early once a week, like divide my class up amongst other teachers and go to this gynecologic oncologist office and have their phlebotomist draw my blood. And then like I had to, when did, I mean, I met with him every time too, or maybe I didn't. Oh, I don't remember. I think I had to call them every time or, or something and be like, how are my levels? And they would have to tell me. But I remember one thing I do vividly remember is every time I would go and I would sit down in their little, they deal with, you know, they deal with people who have cancer. So I had to sit in their little like special blood draw and chemotherapy room and I would go in and the phlebotomist would be like, why are you here? And I would be like, I have to get my blood drawn. And she'd be like, why? And like, she made me tell her that I had lost my baby at 20 weeks and we were tracking my levels like over and over. And this went on for probably a month, and I would like leave crying. Like, she's like a drug addict. What's your problem? I don't know. I'm like, (laughs) it doesn't matter why I'm here. Just take my blood. Why would she stop stop quizzing me? It was like, you know, watch. I think she was like, you don't have cancer. Like, why are you here? 
And I'm like, because I'm supposed to be here. Just I'm judging you past the bottom. So anyway, it was very traumatic for me. And so my mom was like, stop doing this. And so she was like, go somewhere else. And so I went to LabCorp and they didn't ask me any questions. They just like sat down in the chair. They're like stretching their little thing out, tie it around my arm, jab it in my arm that already has bruises, Mm -hmm. take my blood and I'm on my way. So it was still awful, but at least I didn't have to relive verbally tell someone about my trauma every single week um that was not my awful but anyway <laughs> we through it it That's was awful. okay so then i remember like that was kind of a dark oh i remember the day after my dnc the memories just coming back the day after my dnc was really bad i did not want to get out of bed mm-hmm. that was probably the only day in my life that i remember waking up and being like why am i even alive i don't mm-hmm. want to get out of bed mm-hmm. um and that was also, a, like, that six-month period was pretty dark for me. Like, I remember having, I had really sweet friends who would reach out to me and invite me to um, to hang out. Oh, my husband also worked really late hours a lot back mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. And so they would, like, check on me and, like, invite me to go, like, have dinner with them at the mall or something. And I was really questioning a lot of things, like... I remember asking them like spiritual questions about things that I felt confident about my entire life. And I was just questioning like, well, why this, why that? What about this? And they just like calmly talked to me about it. They were wonderful. Um, So then after six months and I was like, I was still, it wasn't like I was like not believing in God, but it was just like, just made me question different things that I had always kind of probably just taken for granted like, oh, no, this is how it is. You know, this is why mm-hmm. there's pain in the world. Blah, 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 right. blah. Of course you God know? loves like, me. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Of course. Like, I know that, you know. It just, I, it had to become more real to me and it had to apply to me in that moment in a new way because I had lost my baby. So, um, so six months passed and then he, I remember he was finally like, well, they got down to 10, but I'm going to let you go. It's, I'm not going to make it get to zero. And I was like, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. So then we were like, wonderful. We can try to get pregnant. So we tried and we got pregnant like the very next month. And I was like, woohoo. So then <laughs> I was obviously scared um, yeah. and nervous, but I wasn't. Hours from now, when I finally get to later in my journey, no, this after is all great. this talking, this um, it, it, it actually got worse later. So oh, but with great. this pregnancy, I was like, we told people right away. We were like, there's no reason to keep it a secret because if we lose our baby, I'm still going to be devastated. And I want you to know, like, I want you to know my story. I'm a very open person. And I was like, I want you need people the support. praying mm-hmm. right now. From day one. So we told everybody, like, we are pregnant. Um, and that's how I've been ever since. Like, there, for me, there's no reason to keep it a secret because I want people praying. I want people caring about me. And I want people knowing what's really going on with me from day one. Mm-hmm. So uh, that ended up to be my son, Daniel. Yay, it went and, okay. Yeah, it went okay. I know. I wasn't like, breathing, on the edge of your seat. Yeah. No, it's nerve-wracking. So... His pregnancy, like, we got pregnant, like I said, like, right away. 
no problem. Probably the first, you know, that very first month after we were allowed to, to try to get pregnant, we did. I got pregnant with him. And then it, my pregnancy was hard because I felt awful and I had a lot of bad symptoms. I had like nausea the whole entire time, but um, I was like, well, this is good because that means I'm still pregnant. And, um, you know, I remember I had a lot of different pain. I like was taking some different things, but every appointment he was doing great. He was looking good. And you know him like he, Mm -hmm. he made it. Um, He's very much alive. I have a whole nother like traumatic birth story with him, but that's not really what we're talking about. He so. has beautiful eyelashes yeah. and dark hair. He, um, you know, he got here. He wasn't breathing. David was like, I don't think he's breathing. And they're like, he's fine. And then like five minutes later, they're like, oh yeah, he's not breathing. You're right. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. But anyway, that's, he's a, purple. that's a whole nother story. So he made it wonderful. I loved him. It was wonderful. And then after... Um, probably when he was like two. So, um, after we had, after we lost baby Tebow, I was like, I will only work one more year. If we are not pregnant, I I just need to like quit. Like I can't keep doing this forever. Either I have a baby and I stop or I just stop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, it worked out better that I got pregnant and had a baby. So I took my maternity leave. I came back. I had two weeks of school left, which was wonderful. I packed up my room. I told my kids goodbye. And then I started living my little stay at home mom life. Mm-hmm. And that was great. And so then two years later, I was like, you know what? I still am fat. Like it would be better if I was pregnant. <laughs> so like to be real, real, like, I wanted more kids, but like one of my main motivators was like, I'm sick of looking like I'm pregnant when I'm yeah. not pregnant. I may yeah. as well just be pregnant. Well, being pregnant is great. So, uh, as far as it's nobody judges your food right. yes. intake. That part is great. Like your nobody's body. like you're fat. Like right. people are like you're glowing. You look so wonderful. That's right. Like, you have like a triple chin. Like, I mean, tangles. I've always been when I'm pregnant. I'm pretty thin everywhere except my belly, and my belly just gets big. So I've been very blessed in that way. But the problem is that when I'm not pregnant, I'm pretty thin everywhere except my belly, which is still big. So at least when I'm pregnant, it's because there's a baby in there and not just because there's. And I I realized, I don't know if if anyone will connect to this, um, but I realized at one point that probably part of the reason why I carry so much weight there probably is genetic. But then also because I had that first pregnancy when my body got put on all that baby weight, but then it didn't like, I didn't have a baby like, and I didn't produce milk and I didn't like do all the stuff that naturally helps your body, like readjust to not being pregnant. And somebody said one time, and I was like, that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said that your body probably also carries the trauma of losing a baby. And it like, Somehow that affects me holding yeah. on the weight. I don't know. It was comforting because so it was like another reason. Why you know, it's crazy fat. though. I've heard, <laughs> maybe you've heard this, that I, I heard that every time you get pregnant, your body has these cells that the baby produces or whatever, that after you give birth to the baby, your cells, those cells of that baby are actually still swirling around in your brain mm, somewhere. Yeah. Even the children that you lose in yeah. pregnancy, you still have their cells chilling wow. out inside of you yeah which is yeah. kind of cool like you're always connected that is even if cool. they're not here. yeah anyways yeah. So, so obviously your body remembers a lot of questions like are you gonna have a funeral and we were like 
mm, no, I don't know. And I've, you know, I've since like, I would say like everybody's journey is different. And so what everybody feels like they want to do or is the right thing to do when they lose a baby is mm-hmm. that's what's right for them. And so, you know, if it had been on our radar and we had thought about it in advance, I don't know if we would have found out the gender. I don't know if we would have had some kind of funeral, but we didn't. Uh, so we got pregnant with my son. We had my son two years later, we wanted to get pregnant and it wasn't right away. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, were you worried? Uh, well, it was just like, you know, the first month you're like, okay, like we'll try again next month. The next month comes like you don't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, like that's all right. We'll try again yeah, next month. Mean. But then as the month go months go on, you're like, why am I not getting pregnant? What's happening? Mm-hmm. And so then every time you get your period, it's like devastating. It is. You're like, I, why am I not like, pregnant? Yeah. I counted like, my cervical mucus. Exactly. Like, well, every, yeah, you know. I never, I never did that. But like, I, you know, I did. Everything so else. I remember feeling like it was like, why is it so hard to get pregnant? And I've since known so many people who I would say truly struggled with infertility that I can't really classify my journey as like true infertility because it wasn't even a year. Um, but I remember the feelings of like devastation every time I got my period and mm-hmm. like not understanding why was it so easy with my first and like now I can't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, I think I did at that point start using like ovulation tests and like mm-hmm. tracking all that. And so the more you get your hopes up, the more upsetting it is when mm-hmm. you're not pregnant. Mm-hmm. So eventually, we got pregnant and then, yeah, sorry. I was having to like remind myself. Yeah. So we got pregnant and then at 10 weeks, so we told everybody like, mm-hmm. yay, we're pregnant. Yay, we're pregnant. Um, and then at 10 weeks we lost the baby. No. So that was obviously upsetting. Um, it's like hard to qualify. Like how, how upsetting was it compared to other times when, you know, other, like when we lost baby Tebow, it probably wasn't as upsetting, but it was still devastating because we knew we were pregnant. We knew there was a life in there. And then now it was gone. The second you get and, that positive test, you're imagining your future, whether yep. you know it's a boy or girl. And right, I know the further right. you're pregnant, that future becomes more realistic. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you could have found you're pregnant and the next day lost the baby and you yeah. still probably would have been. Yeah. Yeah. Not saying that so, you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm yeah, I do. I do. And yeah, I mean, I like, yeah, I will say any comments of like, well, at least like that's not in the right kind of comment. Like, at least you already have a child. Yes, but I still just lost a child. Like, at least I've had people say, well, at least you can get pregnant. And oh, I don't want to yeah. speak to the pain of infertility because I haven't truly experienced it, but I think no matter what pain you have, it's your pain and it is deep to you and it is real to you. And it doesn't matter if you're not having the same kind of pain as someone else, like you're still having pain. So I learned a lot during that time of walking through, I ended up having, I think that was the pregnancy where we even told all of our family at Thanksgiving that we were pregnant and they were like so excited And then we had to come back to them and say, well, we actually lost the baby. So, but I wouldn't do it any differently. I would always want people praying for me and I would always want people caring. Um, Yeah. But I agree. What was the point of what I was just saying? Um, 
Oh, we actually went through it. Two, we had two more miscarriages after, after that. that. Yeah. So the year another at, four? at ten, another at ten weeks, and then well, actually, I don't know what people are like, but for me personally, I don't like to dwell on things that are upsetting and devastating. Like I like to move on with my life. So um, sometimes I like. We definitely, definitely lost baby Tebow, definitely lost two more babies. And then the third time I felt like I was pregnant, but I was scared to take a pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. And I like, I just didn't want to get a positive and then lose it, but I wasn't having my period. And I went like a whole month and a half without having my period. And then I got one, mm-hmm. but I never took that test. So I can't really confirm that I lost that fourth baby. So sometimes I say, three and sometimes I say four I, I think but knew. it was I mean I felt like I was probably pregnant but I was just too scared to take a test mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so at that point my OBGYN was like why don't we try some more things like why don't we do some testing like I don't want you to have to have like the maximum amount of miscarriages possible before we do something like Normally, you don't qualify someone as having miscarriages until, I mean, of having infertility or having, like, chronic miscarriages or, like... Oh, that's so terrible. I don't know. I don't know what it is that... Maybe it was infertility, but, like, you don't classify someone as having it until they've had, like, three early miscarriages. And I hadn't had three early confirmed miscarriages, but she was like, I don't want you to, like, keep, you know, keep having miscarriages before we do something. So she was like... Let's do some blood work. Let's do some tests. Let's see what's going on. So she did this whole workup of tests, blood tests, and it came back. One of my tests came back where you're supposed to be in this range of like, let's just pretend it's like 27 to 35 or something. And that would mean, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. It's either like, you don't have the thing. And so you're in like the three to 13 range or you do have the thing and you're in the like 40 to 60 range, let's say. So normally you're going to fall either like definitely don't or definitely do. But all my tests kept coming in that oh, in between where they were like, well, that's weird because you don't not have it, but you don't do have it. So, so weird. I actually started seeing a hematologist at that point who mm-hmm. was wonderful. He was so wonderful. And I got blood taken there several times for different blood tests. And I was like, these people are the best phlebotomists. Oh, yeah. Because they were, like, so kind and so patient. And they, like, used, you know, like, I don't know if you've been to LabCorp or whatever. The UV thing? They, um, no. They, like, at LabCorp or something, you know, they do your little, they take your blood. And then they're, like, pop that giant um, cotton ball down there. They're, like, put a band-aid, yeah. you know. Or they, like, put some tape. And then you go home later and you're like, your skin is reacting to the tape and you're having to like pull it off yes. and you're like crying because it hurts. Yeah. Right. And then like days later, you still have like red bumps of yes. like irritation yes. and like, you're just like, this is horrible. Every element of this is horrible. At the phlebotomist, I mean, at the hematologist, they use this like super sweet tape that just is like, it, it seems like medical washi tape or like oh, nice. tape or like nice. you take it off. It doesn't even hurt. Like your skin doesn't react to it at all. It's just like magical tape. And you're like, this that. is the tape that you need. If you have to get your blood taken every week mm-hmm. or like you have cancer and you like, this is the high quality tape. That you need. Research tape. So yeah. 
if I could give you any more info, any more identifying information, I would totally would because if you, yeah, if you if you need it all the time, you want like the high quality stuff because when you have something traumatic or upsetting or hard, you don't want to like be adding insult to injury by having like crap tape that irritates your skin, you know? Like out of everything, like that's, that's something like let's just get the good tape, you I know? Agree. Anyway. Um, side tangent. Yeah. So, so but this middle. guy I loved because yeah. he was like, he sat at his little screen and he was like, well, like you're in this weird range. And like, I just, I can't figure it out. But it was like obvious that he just cared so deeply. It just meant a lot to me. And he was like, you know, I don't want to like go the extreme route as if you have it, but I don't want to ignore it because I don't want you to lose any more babies. And it's this blood thing that, like, if I did have it, it's this blood thing where, like, your body no. attacks. Mm -hmm. it, it, like, your body attacks your baby in some way. Um, I can't remember what it's called or your any body of the other details, but it's like, it's like a blood-related like, like thing. Like, you're allergic? Where, yeah. Like, wow. like, your body is, like, and it only happens when you're pregnant. Like, if you have this, it's like a blood-related thing, but it only would affect you if you were pregnant. So I'm sure anybody who like has truly dealt with it in like, I don't know, or actually remembers things about their life probably could identify what I'm talking about from all this vagueness. But the, if you do have it, normally you give yourself a shot every day for the first trimester. If you do get pregnant, you give yourself a shot to like tell your body like, whoa, whoa, this is a good thing. Yeah. We're not going to attack this. Yeah. Um, and then also you take a baby aspirin every day. So mm -hmm. he was like, I want you to take the baby aspirin, but I don't think you need to do the shot. Mm. And I think we'll be okay there. And at that point, by the time we finally had this, like I had had blood work done multiple times and we were, this was like culminating appointment with him. And I actually, at that point I had gotten pregnant. And so he was like, so my, Oh, Okay, backing up, mm -hmm. after I lost the second baby, like my first early miscarriage post my first currently living child, um, my gynecologist after that was like, you should start doing progesterone suppositories when you get pregnant. So I had done that with the second, the third one, the third pregnancy, the fourth pregnancy mm -hmm. and then this and the second early miscarriage, I had started doing mm -hmm. that. So then this time I had already start, I had already started those progesterone suppositories. I um, started taking the baby aspirin because he told me to. And then what else was I doing? I feel like I was doing one other thing. I was doing so many things to try to keep this baby. Mm -hmm. And this time I felt like really fearful. Like every single day was a day of like, am I going to lose my baby today or not? And it was, and we told people again, we told people just like every time, but it was just like kind of terrifying, mm -hmm. um, every day. Mm -hmm. And never be fully I, happy about your no, pregnancy. No, no. And it was just like, I would pray all day long, like desperate, like, please protect my baby. Please protect my baby. Every day. And during that time, I was in a women's Bible study at church. And um, sorry, I'm just remembering something else. I think previous to getting pregnant with this pregnancy, I had been in a Bible study and it was a Beth through my mom's group and it was a Beth Moore Bible study. Mm -hmm. 
or maybe, yes, it was a Beth Moore Bible study. And it was her, it wasn't her Daniel study. It, it was her Daniel study. It was her Daniel study. But anyway, one of the things she talked about that was so meaningful to me was, well, several things. But one of the things she talked about was like she got to a, she had a fear, uh, like a big fear, and it was kind of debilitating. And she got to the point where she had to say to herself, like, or God, God was saying to her, what are you afraid of? Like, just go down that path of like, what are you actually afraid is going to happen? And she's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm afraid my husband isn't going to love me anymore. And then God's like, and then what would happen? And she was like, well, you would still be good and I would still love you. And I would go on with my life, but I would be sad. And he was like, and then what would happen? And she, he just like made her walk through it. Like what would actually happen? Like the worst thing you can ever imagine happens. And then what? And then what? And then what? And just revealing to her like, well, you would still be good. You would still love me. I would continue on with my life. It would be hard, but you would help me. And she said that really helped her move past that fear because it didn't have hold of her anymore. It was like, I feel like sometimes the fear of the unknown, like there are certain things that it's like, it's too horrible to even think about. So it gets a really strong grip on you because you're like, well, this is scary. And I don't even want to think about it because I'm so scared. And you're just like this ball of fear about it. But for me, I applied that to, at the time, I thought I was never going to have another baby. I was only going to end up with just my son, my fourth grader, and I was never going to have any other babies. And that thought was just so devastating to me. But I actually walked myself down that path of like, well, then what? Well, I would still have my son. I would still have my husband. I still have my friends. God would still love me. He would still be good. And so when I got pregnant, the time that I'm currently talking about, I just clung to that, like, well, I'm terrified that I'm going to lose this baby, but even if I do, God is still good and he still loves me and I will carry on and, you know, it's not the end of the world. And that really helped me to just remind myself of that every day and just live in that, like, even if I don't have another baby or even if I lose this baby, God is still good and he Mm -hmm. still loves me. And he still has good plans for me. So I just remember being like having to walk that the entire time. And I made it through the first trimester. I stopped doing the suppositories. I think I kept doing the baby aspirin probably until about six months. And then the hematologist was like, you can stop. So I stopped. And then um, I made it all the way to where like my water broke while I was in the shower. And then I was like, I'm not ready. I can't do this. No, again. No. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's too late. We're going to the hospital. So I gave birth. I had my daughter. She was like the light of my life. Like she has been my ray of sunshine since she was born. And she just for like years, probably the first three years of her life, I would constantly just talk about like how good God was and how like he had given me my daughter. And she just was like my my ray of sunshine and my best friend and like my constant reminder of God's goodness to me. And she was wonderful and I loved her and I still love her and she's still wonderful. Mm -hmm. So then we were like, okay, like we've made it. This is it. Like we, you know, we have our boy, we have our girl. We, and I would think about like, we also have these other children and 
um, you know, I wasn't quite sure how to feel about it. Like, should I tell my children about these other siblings that they have in heaven or should I like, you know, but I, my mom always made her struggles a way to minister to other people. And I did as well. I tried to as well. Mm -hmm. So like, I, that's why I always wanted to be honest. Like every time we had a miscarriage, I would say like, you had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. We're really upset, but God is still good. Um, and people would reach out to me and tell me about their miscarriages and I would be able to comfort them, which mm -hmm. I feel like is the best thing you can do with your struggles is mm -hmm. to just share them and, and just, you know, if nothing else, you can just say, I know how it feels mm -hmm. and I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. um, and that's another tricky thing. Like, I know how it feels. Like some people are like, this is comforting. And other people are like, don't you say that to me because you're not living my life. So even if you've had miscarriages, like mine is different or like even maybe Mine's worse, whatever, yeah. like mine is different. Like you don't know how it feels because it's not happening to you right this second. But for me, what another thing I learned that might be helpful to people, even if you've never had a miscarriage, is just saying to people, I'm so sorry. I love you. Like you don't need to say like, it's not your place to tell them, but God is still good. Or, you know, at God least to this, or God mm -hmm. has a plan, or he's going to work this for you. Like, you need to let the Holy Spirit reveal that to people. And you need to just it say, is very frustrating. I'm so sorry. I love you so much. Let me do your dishes. It's like, not the time for you to be food. this, like, great prophet. It is the right. most, it almost feels no. unloving yes. when you're trying to throw scripture on somebody that's hurting so badly. A hundred percent. Like, yeah. I know that you're doing it in love, but that's not how it feels. It feels like diminishing my pain. Yeah. Agreed. And it's like, like I, I know that's perfect not. perfect words to make right. you feel better. You don't. Right. Nobody ever has perfect words. Even if they say something that's really comforting, that's just by the grace of God. Like, that's right. That he used those words because you don't know why it happened. You don't mm -hmm. know what God wants to do in it. Like, you don't. Right, you're saying that to make yourself say, feel better, bro. Well, and you, I'm sure you want them to feel better. Like, you want to fix their pain. You want them to not hurt anymore. But the thing is, the best thing to do when people are in pain is to just sit with them. That's it. Yeah. Like, and you can write them a card that's like a super nice card. And just say, I know that you must be in so much pain. I don't have the right words to say, but I just wanted you to know I'm praying for you and I love you. Mm -hmm. And I am happy to talk to you about it whenever you want to talk about it. I'm happy to talk about whatever you want to talk about. But you don't need to tell them. I mean, I'm tempted to do it still. Like, you just want them to not hurt so much. Like, you want to make it better. But the best thing you can do is to just say, I'm here. And I love you. It's true. Well, it's funny, too, because you also want them to acknowledge it. Like, you don't yeah. want them to pretend it didn't happen either. Right. Well, oh, man. And I remember after we, this is no one's fault. I probably shouldn't even talk about it. But I'll just be real vague. So after, so there was a really big life event happening in another family member's life right after we lost baby Tebow. Mm -hmm. And we went to this event and we wanted to be happy for them and focus on them and their happy life thing happening. But all people wanted to say to us was, 
I'm so sorry. Mm. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And it would just forced me to live in my pain all day long mm. when I just wanted to think about something else. And I just wanted to celebrate this thing that was happening to someone else. And I know like, I'm sure I would do the same thing if I might be hesitant now that I actually lived through exactly that. Mm-hmm. But otherwise I'm sure I would have done the same thing because you know, someone went through something horrible and you see them and you're like, I just want you to know how much I care about you. And I'm so sorry this happened. And like, that's what you would normally, that would be wonderful. Like, I don't know if you just saw them at church or at the grocery store, if you brought them a meal, like, no, you're that right, would be though. fantastic. You're right. But just at that one event, like I didn't want literally 60 people to come up to me and tell me how sorry they were for me. So I don't know how people can really like, no, I'm not I, telling I feel like you, you like, mean though, because sometimes people. I'll not go to just, church. Like if right. I don't, if I'm feeling like right. everybody knows something's going on, like sometimes yeah. I'm like, I don't want to go to church today. Because right. I don't want to do the, I don't want to make everybody feel better that I'm sad right, right, right now. Right, right, right. Does that make, you know? Right. Or like I, it's so hard. I mean, there literally is no perfect way to deal with people who are in pain. Yeah. Because sometimes you want to think about something else. And sometimes you don't. Well, sometimes you, know, you crave so someone to acknowledge They should it, right? outreach it. They should, I think, of sending a letter mm-hmm. to acknowledge it mm-hmm. is something great. Mm-hmm. When it's You don't want to take the attention off of somebody else yeah. when it's an event for something else. It's just right. the time and place also. Right. So a you card, have to figure out how to do a perfectly timed yeah, out I know. and perfectly spoken way it's to comfort people. Yeah. I mean, and really, so as someone who goes through pain, you just have to give people a lot of grace. You just have to know that no matter what they say to you, no matter what they do, it's because they love you and they're just trying to help. So you just have to learn to be gracious to other people when they fumble and they say the totally wrong thing. But there and, are a lot of, I will say that specifically the scripture stuff yeah. feels very like, and like we're super Christians, guys. Like yes. we're, we're firstly yes, we're absolutely. sinless, and secondly, um, <laughs> sinless. Yeah, <laughs> false. But um, like we super duper love Jesus, and we yes. do comfort each other with Scripture as friends. Yes. But there's it's just there's a difference. Yeah, and the first response should always be, "I'm so sorry. I love I'm you. so sorry. I love you." Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Right. Like, totally. I, you can say I'm so sorry like multiple times. Yeah. I, just keep saying I love you. Figure out multiple, multiple languages like, to yeah. say it in too. Yeah. Just keep it and going. And like I feel like an encouraging scripture-based card is also okay because it's not – if they're like this is – this I don't want this right now. They can set it aside. Like they can save it for another time when they're in that place where they want to be encouraged by scripture and like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. There's no perfect way to do it, but I think it's something like me, me being able to tell myself, no matter what has happened, God still loves me is way more meaningful Mm -hmm. than someone telling me that that's how I should feel or that's what I should be thinking. So even though it's always true, it's always true, no matter what you're going through, God still loves you and God is still good. Yeah. But No, I you don't I need agree. to tell people that. No, <laughs> like, I completely agree. And I probably do. And you, no, I probably you, do it wrong. No, but just, Shannon, you do it about yourself, which is what I love. Like it is so encouraging to me. I feel like Shannon, I mean, I hope you feel good about this that you do this, but anytime Shannon shares something that's hard, I feel like 
by the end of her talking about it, she always brings you back to like, but God is still good. And like, it just is, it's super encouraging to me. I think. And I love it. It's only because you were talking about suffering and how you comforted other people. I think it's only because I was allowed to have so much suffering in my life. Can I even understand his goodness? Like sometimes I'm like, man, it has to be really hard for people that have a perfect life. Like, to understand yeah. God's love. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, and also, if you don't understand your need for it, it's not as sweet. That's if right, you don't yeah. understand how broken the world is and how broken you are and, like, how huge what God has done for you is, you don't feel, if you don't feel like you need it, it's like, okay, great. Right. It's like, it's like you've already had six desserts and someone is like, would you like this candy cane? You're like, I mean, no. Oh, I love that. I don't really need that. You know, really but crazy. if you're like starving to death and someone is like, would you like this candy cane? You're like, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> it's a <laughs> <laughs> This is exactly what I need. I'm like, right, right. Like if you are, you know, if you have like millions of dollars and someone is like, oh, let me get you. Well, I don't want to like make it too personal, but right. like, you know, let me, let me, um, here's you a, know, here's a 20, here's a 20 right, for like, your Right, right. Or like. Let, let me let me treat you to dinner. Like it's right. like, oh, that's nice. That's right. nice. Right. But if you're like in a place where you're like, I literally have zero dollars for this, and then a friend or a parent is like, I can tell that you're super overwhelmed. Like, let me get you guys Chick Fil A. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh my gosh, yeah, thank you so much. Like, yeah, it's totally it, no. It's, it's just, and then you can like, tell your kids like, guys, isn't God so good? Yes, this person did this thing. Yes, yes. So anyway. Yeah, we could we could tangent around forever. I know. But, we should have you on um, the podcast. We're talking about how good what that is. was I talking about? So, so, so after you, all right, so this sorry. your ray of sunshine was born. Yeah, everything was good. Yeah, everything was complete. You yeah. guys were thinking super happy, skis. super happy. And then can I? Sorry, go ahead. What happened? Okay, well, I tangent. In you can tangent. Tangent. So, yeah. so we're gonna get like real, real. So during this time of dealing with, I would say like super limited infertility and definitely miscarriages of early and late. Um, in all this time, I heard people share stories. Like one time somebody shared a story in a context that I'm not going to specify, but they were talking about their journey and how like one time they had gotten pregnant and it wasn't really the right time. So they were like, I really hope I don't keep this baby because this is really inconvenient for me. And I was like, I'm going to vomit. Like, right. I cannot even believe you would feel this way. Like every, you know, once you walk through this kind of thing, you don't take for granted that like two people sleep together and they get pregnant. And that's biologically how it works. I like, was- every pregnancy is literally a gift from God. Like yeah. you do not get pregnant unless God wants you to, which raises a whole nother realm of questions that are like a whole nother conversation for another podcast. Yeah. Like, well, really? Well, why did these people get pregnant in these situations? There's but, a person in my family who got pregnant that didn't want their child. Yeah. That had already gotten rid of other children. Yeah. That then was pregnant with a child, gives birth to a child the whole time, real jerk parent. Yeah. And, Evan and I find out that we're not allowed to, like, we're not supposedly able to get pregnant. And I just yeah. remember a lot of, like, this is unfair. Yeah. Like, why, yeah. Lord, would you let this person yes. who doesn't deserve children have right. so many and then get rid of them? And, like. Right. Right. Yep. 
So it's like a really hard, you know, mind puzzle when you feel very convicted that like pregnancy is a gift from God and it doesn't happen without God allowing it. And then it just raises all these other questions of like, well, then why does he allow it here in this situation, in this situation, in this situation, in this situation? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have those answers. We don't but, know what he do. Yeah, we don't know. Right. I mean, I firmly believe that God is good and that he has a plan and that he can redeem anything. Mm-hmm. Any situation that a child is born into, mm-hmm. it can be redeemed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he can use it for good. And he can redeem you too, girl, if you ended up making those decisions back in the day. Absolutely. Like, you are not beyond his love, girl. Yes. 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 So, but in that moment, I just couldn't relate to those feelings. And it was like when somebody shared that, and it was like a gut punch because I had definitely felt like, yeah, anytime I get pregnant, I am going to be so happy. Like, Mm. I'm going to keep that baby. Like, I'm just going to be like, Cause I had other friends who went through miscarriage and different things in their life. And they got to a place where they said like, I don't want any more children. Like I don't want God to give me any more children. I don't want to be pregnant ever again. Mm. And when they, when I had one friend who said that to me and I was in a moment where like, I couldn't understand that. I was Mm. like, no matter what, no matter how many kids I have, like anytime I get pregnant, I'm going to just be like ecstatic, ecstatic. Mm -hmm. Like that is the only emotion I will ever feel little baby Lisa so then so you know we're raising our toddlers it's hard like they're so sweet but then they also take like every ounce of energy and patience you have and like you just like carry on Mm -hmm. you do your best you make it so we got to where our children were I'm like delving into a story that I don't even know if I want to share so Mm -hmm. I might have to like pause for a moment to decide what I want to share um, and I can also edit this out. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> we want to like, um, anyway, Oh, I got to a place where, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so anyway, later, 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 mm-hmm. um, we got pregnant again mm-hmm. and it was a total surprise and it was a very different journey. Um, but it was still wonderful. But I remember feeling like, okay, now that I've had this different experience of getting pregnant when I wasn't trying and I wasn't like thinking, like I was already thinking my family was complete. This is a different feeling. And it allowed me to like um, understand where people were coming from in different situations where they got pregnant when they weren't expecting to get pregnant. And I had a whole nother, um, kind of thoughts of like, I know so many people who are dealing with like really, really significant infertility. Like, why did you let me get pregnant Mm -hmm. and not them? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. Like I was not feeling a need for another child and Mm -hmm. they are like deeply feeling a need for another child. Like why Mm -hmm. God did you not give them this child? And I even had feelings of guilt. Yeah. yeah, I'm pregnant and and the people who are like dying to be pregnant are not getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. But we ended up, um, that pregnant pregnancy was mostly okay. And again, I didn't have to do 
I didn't do the stuff I did with my daughter. Um, and it, and it went fine. And then he was born, like I said, during COVID, Yay! which was wild. But now he is like the joy of my life, yes. third joy of my life. All right. my children are joys. But, you know, now I totally feel like God 100% knew what he was doing. We absolutely needed this child. And he just is like the most wonderful, squishy, little adorable, yes. precious thing. Like we are all, we're all obsessed with him. And actually, when I was pregnant with him, for some reason, before we even told our kids, we told other people, mm-hmm. but then we didn't tell our kids right away. And they, for some reason, started asking about, okay, so once they knew I was pregnant, they started asking, like, what if, what's going to happen with this baby? Like, what Somehow we ended up having a conversation with them about the fact that even though I was pregnant, I might not have a baby. Mm. And I can't remember if they said something that triggered this or if we were just thinking, like, mm-hmm. we want to gently prepare them for the possibility that this baby doesn't make it to term. But it was interesting because they took it really well. And then they started asking all these questions about their siblings. And they started like talking about how excited they were that they were going to get to meet these siblings in heaven. And it was just really sweet. And it was like another gift from God to just be able to talk to them about this really hard thing in a way that they understood. And And they were to love you back. Yeah. They were like, just, it, it wasn't devastating for them to think about like all these siblings that were in heaven that they never got to meet. They were just excited that they had like more siblings in heaven. And God was just able, God was just um, gracious to let me be able to explain it to them in a way that wasn't horrifying, but they fully understood. So then we prayed every single night for this baby that I was carrying. And Daniel, they nicknamed him something. Now I can't remember what it was. I'm just going to blame COVID. Um, They nicknamed him something. I don't remember what it was. Like I already said, you can edit that out where I just repeat the same thing over and over. Um, But anyway, when he came, they were so excited that he was finally here and they just like are so obsessed with him and they've loved him to death. And it's just been a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, Anyway, so that was my journey of, of miscarriage and pregnancy and having babies. And I've thought before, like, I've at times felt like I wanted some kind of piece of jewelry, maybe, that had, like, beads that symbolized all my kids. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I feel like I want that, and then other times I don't. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone's journey is just very different. So if you've experienced this, no matter what you're experiencing, is probably totally understandable and normal and fine. Um, some people like to like really make it like a continual remembrance and then some people don't. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's not something that I typically, I'm very open about it, but it's not something that I typically ruminate on all the time. Um, so that's just me. What would you say to a woman that maybe has had a miscarriage and she just feels like, you know, she always wanted children, 
now it just feels like, oh no, like, am I even picking the right path? Like, what would you tell to that lady? So, someone who has wanted children. Yes. And has, like, just had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. I would say, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's really hard. Um, and if I knew her personally, I would say, I love you. Yeah. Um, you know, I do believe that God is good and I do believe that he has good plans for your future. And I would say, don't give up hope. I would say you never know what the future is going to look like for you and what God has planned for you. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, if I was sitting with someone, I wouldn't start with that. I would like, you know, like we talked about earlier. Like I would want to like sit with them in their pain, but I would want to encourage people like it's going to be okay. You're going to get through it. I mean, it's not going to be okay. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to use that. It's not going to be okay, but you will survive. Yeah. It's not okay that this happened. It's awful that this happened. And I remember people used to say like pretty much every time I share this story, Usually it's in a more casual setting where like it just comes up and I just say it and people are always like, I'm so sorry. And I, my go-to thing to say is like, it's fine. And I've had to try to stop myself from saying that because it's not really fine. But what I mean by that is like, what I really mean is thank you for acknowledging that it was hard. I'm currently doing okay. I guess is what I mean. Right, right, right. But right. I've tried to just train myself to stop saying it's fine when it's not fine and just say thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would also say to somebody who's had a miscarriage, you're not alone. It's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. Um, it's not your body's fault. I know a lot of people, when they have a miscarriage, they feel a lot of guilt because there's this thought that like I'm a woman so I'm supposed to be able to have kids and so there's I know for some people there's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt of like I did something wrong or there's something wrong with me and that's why I lost this baby or that's why I can't get pregnant or that's why you know and I would just encourage you like it's not your fault you didn't do anything wrong and you're not being punished. And I mean, it sounds trite to say, like, I don't know. I'm no C.S. Lewis. I no, feel like I you should. Beautiful. I feel like you should maybe go read some C.S. Lewis. <laughs> but, you know, the world, I, it's hard to say this without sounding callous, but um, I mean, maybe I don't even want to say it, but like, the world has fallen. And full mm-hmm. of pain. Mm-hmm. And this is why we need Jesus. And mm-hmm. this is why we need him to redeem things. And he can redeem anything. He can redeem your miscarriage. He can redeem anything you've been through. Um, and use it in some way for good in the future. That's right. So, for his own glory. Yep. And for me, with my miscarriages, I feel like it's been good because it helped me know him more. It helped me appreciate like deeply that he loves me and he's good no matter what happens to me. 
and it brought me closer to him. And it also made me appreciate children. It made me appreciate the ability to get pregnant. And it helped me be more compassionate to other people. And all my stories that I did or did not share helped me be more compassionate to other people, which I think is always a good thing. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for coming on to Nesty with the Early Birds. Lisa, I'm so excited to spend this time with you. And um, guys, remember, you're not alone out there, like she was saying. And make sure you reach out to a friend or a loved one and let them know what they're go- what you're going through so that they can come along beside you and support you through it. And also remember, finally, that God totally loves you all the time. Oh, and um, I don't know if you want to edit this out. Don't or like do it. Maybe you're just really add cute. it later. But, like, there are support groups if you've been through Ooh. miscarriages. There are online resources. You, If you're feeling my OB... GYN always told me, like, if you're feeling too sad, tell me and I can help you. I can give you something. There are like medicinal helps um, that you can utilize. There's counselors you can talk to. Like, don't suffer alone and don't suffer in silence and don't pretend that you're okay when you're not. Perfect. No matter how long it takes to be more okay. That's the thing. There's no don't time pretend. limit. I think people think, yes. like, even when you said you had to go back to work after a week or two, I was like, yeah. How do you quantify how long right. it's okay to take off for that? Right. And there it right. And also I would say, um, it's never bad to offer to bring someone a meal, no matter how big or little you think the thing that they're dealing with is. Like I super appreciated my mops group brought me some meals after my third early miscarriage, or however many early miscarriage, and they just said, like. I, I shared with them that I had that I had lost the baby that I was pregnant with, and they asked if they could bring me if if I wanted them to bring me meals, and I felt really bad saying no. At, I mean, yes, at first, like I felt like I should be like, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. But then I was like, you know, I would really appreciate some meals, and they asked, so I should say yes. So I said yes, and I was like, this is wonderful. This is so wonderful. <laughs> Sure. So never feel embarrassed to say, yes, you can help me. Yes, like, because it yes, lets other can, people bless Can you bring me a sweet tea from Chick-fil-A? That would really make me feel better today. And it makes other people like, feel good, too, yes. to be able to do something yes. to help you. And I would also say, don't offer if you don't really mean it. That's true, too. So <laughs> I would love if there was a culture of, like, you only offer if you mean it. And when someone offers, you say yes. Because if my friend is sad, I want to help them. Like... Like, you buy movie tickets for people? Yeah. <laughs> like, I just, you know, anyway, whatever. No, it's true. It's not alone. And you can be as sad as you want for as long as you want. And that's okay. That's right. And I hope, I hope for you, whoever is listening to this, that you have people that you can be honest with and say, I'm not okay. And that they will say to you, I'm sorry, we love you. And we want to be with you even if you're not okay. And you can be not okay for as long as you want to be not okay. Or you need to be not okay. Because some people get tired of the awkward feeling of you not being okay. But I pray that everyone has people around them that will let them be real. Because that's when you're real, then people can love you. And it feels so much better to be loved for the real you than to be loved for the fake front that you're putting on. Yeah. And if you don't have a support group, quick plug. 
Go to Mops. Absolutely. Go find your Mops group, your Mothers of Preschoolers group around you, girls, because it's a bunch of women that they all want friends. So. Or a Bible study. That's true, too. Hopefully. That's Lord true. willing, those people yeah. would be. Hopefully, they're the nice people. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, they really <laughs> care about the real you. <laughs> all right. Thank you, sweet Lisa. Thank you for having me. All right, friends, thank you so much for coming back to Mamas Need Love. Remember that God totally loves you all the time. You are beautiful, you are worthy, you are loved, and you are important. Remember, you can also like, subscribe, review, share my episodes, whatever it is. You can listen to them on all the devices where you stream music. And if you wanted to check out more behind-the-scenes action, you can always go to mamasneedlove.com or send me an email at mamasneedlove365 at gmail.com. Thank you so much, guys, and I'll see you next time.